All right, good evening. Good to see you guys here this evening. Thank you guys for coming out. It's always a joy uh, to, to preach and to be at church. I love preaching. I love teaching. I love opening the Word of God. But it's even better to look out and see people that want to learn. And so thank you guys for being here, having your Bibles ready to, ready to learn here tonight. And we're going to learn from Solomon tonight. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. You'll find that in Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. In that order, they're called the Wisdom Books because they're there to impart unto us wisdom on how to live life. And in 2004, there was a book written, and I'm trying to explain my title of the sermon tonight. In 2004, there's a book written by um, Joel Osteen. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. Uh, he's a smiling preacher. He's on about every channel you could find on TV. And he wrote a book. This is where he got popular. The book was called Your Best Life Now. And that book uh, had seven steps to a fulfilled life was the whole point of that book. It came with a calendar and, and even a board game. And it was a bestseller and still is one of the bestsellers in, in all the world. I'm not too fond of him or of the book because I think he might have stole the idea from Solomon in Ecclesiastes here. Because I don't think, Ecclesi- I don't, I don't think Solomon, written in 450 B.C. here, uh, was writing your best life now. I think here he's showing us your better life now. And he's not giving us seven steps to a fulfilled life, but six steps to a better life. So I want to ask you guys to stand, and I want to preach tonight. I'm going to read to you these verses, and we're going to preach tonight on your better life now. And I want, to, I want Solomon to help us to live a better life. So let's stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And I'm just going to read through verses 1 through 10. And, and I want you to notice, you say, why are you calling it your better life now? Because you're going to see here that there's a word that's repeated over and over and over and over. I think it's 11 times in the book of, in, in this chapter that he's going to say the word better. Uh, so let, let's look at it and we're going to look at your better life now. Everybody in here should be better able to live their life after hearing this passage. Starting in verse 1, Solomon, the wise man, uh, the Hebrew would be Kohelet. It says in verse 1, a good name is better than precious ointment. So you see there, there's where it starts out with. A good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men. And the, li- and the living will lay it to his heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by the sadness of the countenance of the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of the mourning. The heart of the fools is in the house of mirth. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For as a crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This is also vanity. Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. But better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Say not thou what is the cause that, that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. I'll go to verse 11. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, which means wisdom is better than money. And by it there is profit to them that see the sun. So we're going to look at these verses tonight. I think you saw the theme there is your better life now. Six ways to live a better life. Let's pray together and we'll study these verses. Father, we thank you for wisdom. I know truth, we love to preach truth like we did this morning. Theological, deep, biblical truth. Uh, I love those things. I love theology. And here we turn to Ecclesiastes tonight, and it's just day-to-day living. Help us to live our lives on Monday. Uh, So God, help us to see this and to learn this and to understand this and to apply this. I think this will be good for us to show us the better thing in life and even help us to live a better life. So God, help me to teach these things. Help us all to learn these things 
And God, help us to live wiser lives. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I think one of the best ways to learn anything in life is to sit down with someone who is older and wiser than you, maybe a little bit more gray hair than you have, and to sit down with them. They've been there, they've done that, they, they've got the t-shirt, they, they, they know all about life. And you sit down with them and you ask them questions and you learn from them. We don't do that much anymore. Uh, our generation despises the old age, despises wisdom, doesn't want to have anything to do with it. They won't sit down with somebody who's elderly, somebody who's been there, and they won't ask them questions. But I love doing that. I love that my boys will sit down with with my dad I won't call him older he is older I won't call him wiser he is wiser I won't say he's grayer he's definitely grayer um but my boys will sit down with my dad and then my dad just just the other day was teaching them around the house and and they went in there I think dad had a nail gun and I and me and Steph was sitting in the living room dad said boys come on and Steph said you better go in there and watch them uh, but they went in there with my dad, and my dad taught them some things in there. And they get in the car after it's over, and they say, let me tell you what Poppy taught me today, and what Poppy told me here. I love that. I love for my boys to sit down with somebody who's older and wiser, and been there and done that, and to learn from them. It helps them to, to live life. Gracie did that. She's not up here tonight, but she done that. And I think Savannah's done that with, with Betty Fannin, one of, our, one of the best cooks that we've, we have in our church. And they both went to Betty and they said, we would love for you to give us your recipe and then to teach us how to cook these things. And they sit down with Betty, and, and she's not here tonight, so I can say this, older and wiser. That's as far as I'll go. And she sit down, they sit down with Betty, and, and now my, my daughter sits and cooks all the recipes that Betty's given her. She sit down and she's learned these things. As a preacher, I do that. I'll sit down with Johnny. He calls me every Tuesday, and, I, and I, I ask him questions, and I learn from 40 years of experience as a pastor that I can ask him anything, and he's been there, and he's done that, and believe me, Johnny has the t-shirt, and he'd give it to you if you ask him. But there's value in that. We learn from sitting down with, with elderly people and asking them questions and, and learning from them. And, and I've noticed, I, I want you to see this because it, it pertains to what we're going to do with Solomon here tonight, that when you do that, it's usually very random. They usually don't have a three-point outline on what they're trying to teach you. It's usually rambling, drifting. It's all, all over the place. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of knowledge that's built up in their mind, so they're throwing it all at you at one time. So you're going to have to really pay attention as they're throwing all these things at you. So it's sometimes random. It's all all the time real. You sit down with somebody who's been there, done that, and they're in, in their old age. They don't have time to, to beat around the bush. They'll just tell you how it is. I, I've seen that. Maybe you have too. They, they don't sugarcoat. They tell you how it was, and they'll tell you how it is. And then it's also incredibly helpful. We need more of that. We'd be better if we sit down with the older generation and learn some things. I know that at my age, and I still consider myself extremely young. I think we'd all be better off learning from the generation that went before us. That you'd sit down with somebody. I wish I could go back and sit down with my papaw now. I wish I could go back and sit down with, with some of the older preachers that's passed on and learn from them because they've been through it and they've done it. I think we'd all be better off. And tonight, I want to show you that, that that's exactly who Solomon is. He's older, he's wiser, he's grayer. And you guys know that as we study this, he's the wisest man who ever lived. He's been there and done everything. I mean, there's nothing in the world that, that he, he doesn't know about. God said, I'll give you anything. He said, give me wisdom. So this is the wisest man who ever lived. And he's writing Ecclesiastes at the end of his life. 
And he's got an audience in front of him full of young people that he's trying to impart wisdom to. Let me tell you what I've learned. And as we look at this, I want to show you this passage here tonight is random. He's going to throw a lot of things at us all at once, and you're going to have to pay attention. It's going to, it's going to make you think. It's, it's, not a, it's not an easy three-point outline. He's going to throw all kinds of things at us. It's going to be very real and raw that you're going to hear these things, and it's going to kind of, kind of shock you at what he's saying. But I think this will be very helpful for us tonight as we look at Solomon saying, this is how you'll live a better life. And he uses that word over and over and over. These are, he's going to give you two things. Both of them are, are, are good things, but one is better than the other. He's going to give us two things and say, this is good, but this is better. We need to learn this. Wise people always choose the better thing. And that's what he's going to teach us tonight. The main point is, choose the better over the good and you'll have a better life. But if you choose the good over the better, you'll have a bad life. So let's look at this tonight. I'm going to give you six points, six steps to a better life. And I think this is something, I know some of you are, are already older. The younger generation, my boy sitting back there, he needs to hear these things. So let's look at these things. Number one, I want to show you that reputation is better than riches. This is wisdom. You're sitting down with Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, and he looks at you and he says, reputation is better than riches. And I'll ask you this, do you agree with that? As he says that, are you sitting there thinking, is that true? Would I rather have, and, and again, I want to look at this, because riches is, is, is an okay thing. We talked about that last Sunday night. It's a, it's a good thing. But a good name is even better. So let's look at what he says. He says, a good name, that's a reputation is your name, a good name is better than precious ointment. So, and, and he's talking about when he says ointment, he's not talking about neosporin. I know that may be the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of ointment, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about perfume or cologne, some fine, uh, expensive uh, liquid that they would take and they would put on themselves, maybe behind their ear. I don't know, it was hot, it was the desert, it was uh, Middle Eastern. They probably all smelt really, really bad, so they probably didn't put it just behind their ears. They probably took it like... Like teenage boys takes Axe body spray and spray it all over them. So they probably washed themselves. You even see Jesus that, that when they brought the ointment, they poured it over his head. This is all over the New Testament. And anybody that had ointment or perfume or cologne like this, it was a hot commodity. It was a luxury. So he's not saying precious ointment is, is a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's good. This, young people need to hear this. It's good to smell good. There's nothing wrong with that. You need to. It's a, it's pleasing. It's inviting. It's a good thing. But Solomon says there's something better than smelling good. There's something better than riches. There's two things in life that linger after we're gone. One is your smell and the other is your reputation. And he said, wisdom, if I were you, I would choose a good reputation over a lot of riches. That's what he says. A good name is better than precious ointment. Nobody talks about how you smelled at your funeral. I've preached a lot of funerals and I've never got up and said, you know, such and such smelled so good. You get up and you talk about their reputation, who they were and what they were like. He says, reputation is better than any riches that you'll ever find in life. A good name is better than a good smell. 
That's what he's saying here. That's wisdom. I mean, my boy needs to know that. We need to know that. that It's better to have a good name than to have a whole lot of money. That's what he's talking about. And he says the word a good name. What he's saying here is a name is who we are, how how we're known. Our name represents everything that we're known for. That when somebody says our name, what do they think of automatically? That's your reputation. When your name is spoken and you're not around, what do people think? What comes to their mind? When I say the name, I'm going to give you a couple. When I say the name Hitler, what comes to your mind? Bad reputation. When I say the name Charles Manson, what comes to your mind? When I say the name Benedict Arnold, what comes to your mind? Traitor? Bad reputation. May have had lots of money, but now his name is tarnished throughout history. When I say the name Judas or Jezebel, what comes to your mind? Or on the other side, if I say the name Charles Spurgeon, If I say the name Billy Graham, a good reputation is better than a lot of riches. So how is your name? What comes to people's mind when they hear your name? Again, it's not important how much riches you have. It's not even important what you do in life. It's important who you are. That's wisdom. Our reputation is being written and rewritten every single day. And it will last a long time after we're gone. Proverbs 22 one says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Only the foolish would say, You know what, I don't care what people think about me. And we have a generation today that that's all they say. I don't care what people think. I know who I am. I know what I'm like. Oh, I only care what I think. Who cares about my reputation? But our reputation is being built like a wall, brick by brick, every single day, every word we say, every job we do, every body we're around, we're either building our reputation up or we're tearing our reputation down. And a good reputation is better than riches. Number two, I'll move through these pretty quick. I think you all all agree with that one, but wait till you get this one. A funeral is better than a birthday. Do you agree with that one? If somebody said, this Saturday, you have a choice. You can go to a funeral or you can go to a birthday party. Which one would you choose? Most people would choose, most normal people would choose the birthday. I would say 99 out of 100 would choose a birthday over a funeral. And I mean, that, that's just usually common sense. But this is strange advice that he's giving here. Re- let me read this to you. The day of your death is better than the day of your birth. So he's saying a funeral is better than a birthday. It's better to go to a house of mourning, which is where you go after the funeral's over. You go and and, and you eat, and everybody in that house is is mourning, than to the house of feasting. Verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter. He's saying there it's better to be sad than it is to laugh. Look, 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 go on. For by sadness of the countenance of the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of the morning, but the heart of the fools is in the house of pleasure. So what is he saying here? I mean, you look at this and you say, is Solomon depressed? Is he, is he suicidal? Is he a goth? Is he emo? Is he walking around in black with, with black fingernails? I mean, there's something bad wrong with Solomon. Is he crazy? No, 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 no. Watch what he's saying by this. At the end of verse 2, he says, he tells us these things and he says, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. 
What he's saying here is birthdays aren't bad. Laughing isn't bad. What he's saying is we learn more from a funeral than we do from a birthday party. It's okay to go to a birthday party. He's not saying that's bad. It's okay to to have pleasure. That's not bad. It's okay to have money and, and to laugh and to have a good time. But we learn more from the bad times than we do the good times. And people need to know that. We learn a lot from a funeral. Uh, Death makes us think. A funeral has a lot to teach us. You go to one and you'll listen. And and when you go to a funeral, and and, and we don't go to them. I mean, we we try to stay as far away from funerals now. We don't want to even think about death. But, But a death will make you think about life. It'll help you live life to know that that that's where I'm going one day. A funeral reminds me of the most important things in life. That, that life is fleeting and, and I, I'm going to, I want to go that way. Just like everybody's going to go that way. So I see now what matters. It reminds me what, what really matters. It, it helps me to live life after I go to a funeral. You go to a birthday party and you walk away a little bit heavier after eating cake and pizza and chips. You go to a funeral and you walk away saying, I've really got to change the way I'm living life. He's saying funeral is better than birthday. You start thinking about where you're going to go when you die. It's weighty. It's heavy stuff. But we learn from it. Because it reminds us that we're all going that way. What will be said about me? I think these are connected at my funeral. I better start living a little better. There's a story of a man in East Tennessee who died and he was a sinful man. He was... was, Openly immoral. Everybody in the town knew him. He was a drunk. He cussed. He swore. He was the worst man that you could ever imagine. And when he died, he went to talk to the wife. And the wife looked at the preacher and said, Don't you dare preach him into heaven. Don't you dare preach him into heaven. I don't want to, I don't want you to get up there and say that he lived that kind of life and he died and he went to heaven. You tell the truth about him. Preacher got up at the funeral and the first thing he said is, Well, this guy's in hell. Sitting right there in the front row, front row, the wife said, Amen. There's a lot you can learn from a funeral. Not a whole lot you can learn from a birthday party. Only the foolish would hide death. Only the f- foolish would avoid funerals and put it aside and hurry it up. Hurry it up. We look at kids and say, you, you shouldn't go see this. Kids need to see this and to learn that this is where we all go. And we live in a, an age when we want to get death away from us. And nobody's learning from it. We love to party. We love to laugh. We love to enjoy. We love pleasure. We love all that life can give us. And we enjoy, we, we, we enjoy those things. And we avoid the hard times. We avoid the funerals. We avoid death. We keep it as far out of our, our minds as we possibly can. I've told you that, that the Puritans used to keep a, a, a skull on their desk as they wrote sermons out reminding them, this is where I'm going. This is where we're all going. And it helped them to live life. Sorrow makes us better. I get it. Sometimes we need to laugh. Sometimes it's good to watch a comedy. Sometimes Dumb and Dumber was on TV today. 
And old Josh needed to sit down and laugh a little bit. To watch a sitcom, a situational comedy. To sit and laugh. But those things teach us nothing. It's a, it's a good laugh and it's over within 30 minutes or an hour and a half or two hours. It cheers us up. It distracts us. But it doesn't do us nearly as good as walking through a valley. We learn more from the morning than we do the merry of life. We learn more from the pain than we do the pleasure. You learn more from widow's tears than a fool's laugh. God often teaches us the best lessons in the worst times. And Solomon's standing up in front of a bunch of young people and saying, don't try to escape death and the hard stuff. Because you'll learn more in these times than you ever will in the good times. And in America today, it's getting pretty bad. And I don't think we need to try to distract ourselves from it. I think we need to learn from it. What's God trying to teach us right now? Because we'll learn more. And you guys know this. If you've lived long enough, you know that you've learned more in the bad times than you did the good times. I'm I'm 40 years old and I'm just now in my midlife crisis. But I've lived long enough to know that you learn a lot during the bad times. So a funeral is better than a birthday. Number three, I ask you again, do you agree with that? We may not enjoy the funeral, but we learn more from it. This is just wisdom. Number three, correction is better than a compliment. Do you agree with that? I'll go ahead and ask you this. Would you rather me to walk up to you and pat you on the back and say, you're doing a great job? Or would you rather me say, I need to meet you in my office back there next week and we're going to sit down and I'm going to tell you everything that you're doing wrong. If you had your choice, which one would you rather? To have a compliment and to be flattered or to be corrected? Look what he says, verse 5. It is better, see that same word, better to hear the rebuke of someone who's wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. That's, that's flattery. For somebody to walk up to you with a, with a flute and, and to play it and, and you sit there and smile and say, that brings cheer to me. I'm glad you said that about me. And just flatter you to death and you feel so good about it. He says, no, that's okay. It's good to flatter somebody. I do that, I do, I do that for Steph. I mean, she'll walk out and get, coming to church and I'll say, you look so beautiful today. I'm sure she'd rather hear that than for me to correct her in some way. I would rather do that than to correct her in some way. We all would rather have the flattery than the correction. I don't take correction too well. You walk up to me and say, Josh, that, that, you, boy, you messed up on that sermon. I'm going to say, you tried. <laughs> you know, that's how we are. None of us like to be corrected. But it's better for us to be corrected than it is for us to be flattered. This is just wisdom. My boys probably can't stand to be corrected. They played basketball yesterday and they, they come to the bench and, I, and I'm sitting there watching them. I want to see how do they take correction when he fouls somebody that he shouldn't have fouled or takes a shot that he shouldn't have took and his coach looks at, him, looks at him and says, you shouldn't do that. Is he going to pout? Is he going to go on the end of the bench saying, I'm not, I don't want to play for him anymore. And that's what our culture is doing today. A little bit of correction and they run from it as fast as they can. We do that in churches today. A preacher gets up and steps on a few toes. 
Yeah. He gets up and says, this is sin and, and this is wrong and, and you shouldn't be doing that. Well, I'll find me a church that flatters me. Plays the flute. The song of the fools. And there's churches that are playing songs of the fools. Would you rather hear Joel Osteen and his smiley, your best life now? Makes me feel so good. Or would you rather hear a sermon that's hellfire and brimstone and makes you seriously think about life? Solomon here says, I'd rather hear Paul Washer than Joel Osteen. That's what he says. You say, that's crazy. No, it's not. He says a flattery. Look how he describes flattery here. He says, it's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For the song of fools is like a crackling fire under a pot. (laughs) So does the laughter of the fool. For this is vanity. What he he means there is it's just a a fire and and it burns for a few seconds and, and it's there and it's gone. Flattery doesn't last. You may feel good about it for a day or or two. Or if you're really vain, you may carry it with you forever. He gave me such a good compliment 18 years ago. But it doesn't last. But the correction of a wise man, you'll carry with you through the rest of your life. Solomon says a rebuke is better. Rebukes don't feel better. You see that? We seek the the feeling of it. We don't seek the, the growth from it. So the correction is is better. It's more valuable. It serves a greater end. It lasts longer. It makes me better. It helps me to grow. It helps me to learn. Correction is a a good thing. Not a bad thing. It's even a better thing, he says here. And it's necessary. We must be correctable people. I'm trying to teach my kids to be coachable kids. You may have a kid that has all the talent in the world, but if he's not coachable, he'll never get better. So correction is better than a compliment. Peter was corrected by Jesus, wasn't he? He denied Jesus three times, and Jesus, after the resurrection, comes up to Jesus, and and, and Jesus corrects Peter three times. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? I said I did. Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I said I did. And you think, well, Peter, after that, was awesome. He never did anything wrong after that. But in Acts chapter 15, Paul saw some some stuff that Peter was doing that wasn't right. And Paul walks up to him and says, Peter, we need to talk. And that's where we get the whole book of Galatians. Do you think Peter liked that rebuke from Paul? Do you think he needed it? And it made Peter the man that he was. Because correction is better than a compliment. Watch this. Proverbs 12.1 says this. Fools despise correction. We live in a foolish world. Despising correction. Our world despises it. Our world hates it. But we say in the church, correction is better than a compliment. Number four, and I'm going to get through these. I mean, that's usually the end of a sermon right there. I'm a three-point preacher. But now let's go to four. I'm going to double it up tonight. We're going to do six. Number four, we've, we've already seen reputation is better than riches, and a funeral is better than a, than a birthday. Correction is better than compliments. 
And now I want to show you the end is better than the beginning. I mean, he says it, verse 7. He says, surely oppression maketh a wise man mad. And a gift destroys the heart. But better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. So you see where I go? I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just pulling these things right out from... Every time he says the word better, I'm just pulling it out and teaching you guys these things. So better is the, the end of a thing than the, the beginning of a thing. Do you think the end of a thing is better than the beginning of a thing? I want you to think about that. Would you rather have the end of something than the beginning of something? Let's talk about it with, with a movie. Would you rather see the... If you, had, if, you, if you had your choice, would you rather have the end of a movie or the beginning of the movie? And that, that's what he's saying here. Which one is, is better? Would you rather have the end or the, or the beginning? He says at the, at the beginning, that's in verse 7, you really don't understand things. You see that? He says in verse 7, oppression makes a wise man angry. Gets us fired up. And a gift, that's a bribe, destroys the heart. So in verse 7, we're mad because there's bad things happening. Things going on that, that just fires us up. Things that are unfair. Things that are unexplained. All the things in life that we just don't understand fires us up and makes us mad. In the beginning, there's an old song that says trials dark on every hand and we just don't understand. It says temptation and hidden snares takes us unaware. It says the hearts are made to bleed for some thoughtless word or deed and we wonder why the test when we try to do our best, we just don't get it. In the beginning, you, you with me here? You could watch the beginning of a movie. And you're going to sit there and say, I don't get it. Why is this doing this? And why is this doing this? And I don't understand. But we'll understand it better by and by. So what he's saying is, we go through life, and in the beginning, we don't get it. We don't understand it. We don't like it. It, it makes us mad. It, it, it's, it's unfair. It's, it's unexplained. Why did, why did this one have to die? And why did this one have to get sick? And, and why did this have to happen? Why did I lose my job? Why? 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 The beginning is hard. But the end is better than the beginning. Because if you'll just wait it out, you'll get to the end of the movie and everything will be explained. And we'll understand it better by and by. Have you ever been through something and right smack dab in the middle of it, you say, that's not fair. I don't understand. Why is this happening? I don't understand. But then by the time you get to the end of the trial, you say, I understand everything a whole lot better now. My kids need to know that. I need to know that. There's going to be some rough times in life. And I need them to go through it understanding that I'm not going to understand it right now. But the end is better than the beginning. And that's what he's teaching us. Not at the beginning, not, at the, not in the middle, but it's in the end that God reveals His purpose. So the end is better than the beginning. Fools don't get that. Fools give up in the middle of a thing. Fools jump ship when it gets hard. Fools say, I don't get it, I give up. Get this. And I want to be very careful. <clears throat> Foolish preachers go through hard times in churches and give up like that. The average span of a preacher in America today is three years. If a preacher was wise, 
he'd carry on through that hard time when the honeymoon's over. And it always ends. In marriages, a fool says it's hard right now. I give up. But a wise man says, I'll understand everything I'm going through in the end. That's what he's saying. You won't know it at the beginning. You won't know it in the middle. But you'll know it in the end. So just hang on. That old song's so good. We'll understand it better by and by. By and by. When the morning comes. I'll stop. So the end is better than the beginning. Number five. You guys didn't think we'd make it, but we are. Patience is better than pride. So Josh, where are you getting this at? Just keep reading. Verse 8, second half of that verse. First he says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And then he says, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. So he says, be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for the anger resteth down in the bosom of fools. You see, you see that? And we're almost done. We're going to get through six real, real, real quick here. But number five, patience is better than pride. Pride gets all fired up about things when things don't go their way. You, ever, you know anybody like that? Anybody in here like that? That when things don't go your way, that's pride. The opposite of, of patience is pride. That you, when it doesn't go your way, you get mad, you get fired up. I, I, I didn't, you, you, you turn into a baby. <laughs> I didn't get things my way, you know. My kids do that. I didn't get what I wanted. And, and, and I'm like, are you going to cry? That's full of pride that you think you deserve to get things your way all the time. And not just all the time, but exactly when you think you need to get it. That's pride. And we're full of that. I want the job when I want it. I want the money when I want it. I want the church to be full when I want the church to be full. I want it my way now. And he says, that's pride. Pride gets fired up. Do you see that? But you don't, don't be hasty in your spirit and get angry. Don't do that. That's prideful. Get down angry in your bosom. Pride gets angry. Pride gets out of control. Pride flies off the handle. Pride lets people push your buttons. You guys got any of those buttons? Somebody walk up to you and pushes your buttons, knows exactly what to say to get you fired up. One word, you fly off the handle. Pride is like a puppy. (laughs) That'll bite and snap and bark at everything coming and going. That's pride. Little puppy will bite at a shoe that moves. Everything. He says, don't be like that. It's better to be patient than to be prideful. Do you understand that this is an old man talking? My dad, we used to play Sonic the Hedgehog on Sega Genesis. And we'd play it together. You know, I would play it with him right now if we had a chance. Just, you know, we'd play that game and I'd take a level and he'd take a level and he always let me, not mean let me, but I always got to beat the final guy. And I was young, even as a teenager. And, and you, I don't know if you guys know Sonic the Hedgehog. It's just a really fast moving, you know, he gets spinning and going and just all over the place. I don't know why I'm telling you this. It's not, it's not in my notes. I don't have Sonic written down. 
but I'd play it. And I'd spin, and I'd run, and I'd be all over the place, and I'd die, and I'd lose my coins. And just, you know, and my dad would look, I'd hand it over to him. It's just so slow. It's like a crawling pace. I'm sitting there saying, Dad, what are you doing? Ten minutes into this level, and you still ain't getting nowhere. And he'd get to the end of it. I went fast and died. He went slow. I mean, he'd wait for everything swinging. He'd count it two or three times. Just wait. Just wait. I'm sitting there thinking, jump! (laughs) Just getting fired up, you know? Dad just sitting there. Don't you have work to do, Dad? (laughs) And he'd jump. Make it. Just fire me up even more. But then listen, I played that Sonic game just a, just a while back with my boys. And boy, did the roles switch. And I didn't even mean for it to. I mean, it wasn't like I made a, a, a decision that I'm going to be like my dad here. But I watched them play it and I'm like, you boys need to slow down. You're going to get killed. You're losing your coins. And then they hand it to me and I'm like, slow as Christmas. And I'm making it through the level. It's a, Young people do that, don't they? Solomon, the wise man, is telling these young people, slow it down. You're too big of a, you're in too big of a hurry. Just take it slow. Be patient. Patience is better than pride. It'll get there. Slow it down. I think sometimes I need to take that in preaching. I preach, I, I preach like I'm on fire sometimes. Sometimes you just need to slow it down. I'll listen. It's funny. I'll listen to John MacArthur preach in 1967 when he first started at his church. And he's about like me. Just, just, just a mile a minute, man. And now he gets up there. And it's just... Open your Bibles. And I'm thinking, I need to learn from him. Just slow down. Not that you lose your fire. But just slow down a little. And that's what he's saying. Patience is slow to post. (laughs) I like that I put that on there. Young people, the first time they get a thought in their mind, Facebook needs to hear this. (laughs) Right? And an older person's like, you you don't need to share everything all the time. Slow to tweet. Slow to share opinions. Slow to anger. Somebody can just sit and push your buttons over and over and over and over and you just sit there and let them. No flying off the handle. Patience understands that it takes time. Patience understands that Rome wasn't built in a day. Patience understands that he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Patience is like an old dog. i got an old dog now. And the young dog bit at everything. Bit at people's heels, bit at, again, shoes. And now she only bites at things that really matter. And a wise person knows that you only bite at things that really matter. It slows you down. Fools can't control themselves. There's no self-control and our world is full of foolish people without any self-control at all. They're all fired up and angry at everything. Are they not? 
They need to learn from Solomon. Solomon's saying, yeah, when I was your age, I did the same thing. But I'm telling you, from my point of view now, that I've lived it and I'm older, that you need to be more like me and patience is better than all that pride you've got going on. One last one and I'll close. This is just good wisdom. This is good for us. Last one. Verse 10. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For when you ask that, let me put it in my own terms. When you ask that, when you say, why are the old days better than the new days? You're asking the wrong question. So the final point here is, today is better than yesterday. Today is better than yesterday. Do you agree with that? I don't know that we do. I mean, I thought about it. I know the Beatles think that yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. They thought yesterday was great, that they wrote a song about yesterday. Everybody loves yesterday. Everybody loves the good old days. I find myself saying it today. I was talking to somebody after church and I was thinking, oh, I said this, oh, basketball was so much better. All-star game tonight. It was so much better in my day. <laughs> I turned into my dad. <laughs> We do that, right? And we sit and say, oh, it was so much better. Oh, the cars were better in my day. Oh, the schools were better in my day. Oh, it was so much better when my kids were young. I'm that way now. Oh, I wish Gracie was a baby. Oh, I wish, well, I just wish all five of them were still babies. I wish I had a house full of babies <laughs> and didn't have to change their diaper. We do that though. We're always thinking about yesterday, that the old days were better and, and I wish I could go back there. I, I wish we could be nostalgic. I, I wish we could just, just go back to when everything was right. And you know every generation's done that. I, I used to not be that way. When I was younger, it, it, I, I didn't look back to the old, oh, I wish I could go back to watching Scooby-Doo. <laughs> you don't do that when you're young, right? But he says here, don't ask that question. We do that at church. I have people, oh, wasn't the church better 20 years ago? Was it? Oh, we know this. The music was better in the 90s. (laughs) We all know that. That should have got a resounding amen across the room. Music today is terrible. Back in my day. (laughs) What he says here is fools live in the past. Wise people live for today. Fools long for the good old days. Wise people live today. There's nothing wrong. And again, in all these things that he's, he's talking about, he's not saying any of them's wrong. There's nothing wrong with a birthday party, but you can learn more from a funeral. There, there's nothing wrong with, with having some, some ointment, some, some riches, but a reputation's better. None of these things are bad. There's just one that is good and one that is is better. And he's saying you need to choose the better and it'll make your life better. If you choose, get this, if you choose the lesser of the two, your life won't be nearly as good. So he's saying over and over and over, if you've written these things down, always choose the better one. So you can think about the old days and the good music back then and, and, and the schools back then and the, the politicians, they've always been bad, but the politicians back then and whatever you want to think about in the, in the old days, that's fine, but don't live there. 
Today is better than yesterday. Nothing wrong with looking back. Nothing wrong with the, the good old days. And the older I get, the better the old days look. But remember that wisdom says today matters more than yesterday. The past is just a memory. And all we can do is sit and think about it. We can't do anything about it. We can't change it. It's just a memory. You can sit and think about your high school days. And it's fun. But there's nothing you can do to change what happened back then. There's nothing you can do to say, I should have done this or I should have done that. You can't go back and you can't change it. And you can't enjoy those days again. So we need to live where he says, not in the, in the past, but live today. Live for today. Make decisions today. This is where we can really make a difference. Not back then. Not back in my day. Not being nostalgic. We can, we can think about those things, but we can really do something right now. Solomon's saying, don't dwell on the past. There's, there's nothing there. Live for today. Today moves you forward. You can't move forward while you're looking back, can you? There's an old saying in the Old Testament that you can't plow straight if you're, if you're looking backwards. I've told this story before, but when I first taught Isaiah to mow, he was so proud of himself. I put him on that little push mower and he was going around through the yard and Steph was videoing him. He hates it now, but he was loving it, you know. And he was pushing and he'd look back at Steph and wave. And that mower would go this way. And he's, he's, he's turning turn circles around my yard. It looked terrible. And you know, he tries to mow as fast as he can now. Just like on Sonic. And there I am, just barely going. Like the tortoise and the hare. I don't know where I'm getting these things at. But you, you can't go straight if you keep looking back. You're going to be all over the place. There's nothing wrong with looking back and waving at your mom one time, but you better get back and stay in course. You can't plow looking back. Paul even says in the New Testament, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing on to the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Not that we don't ever look back. I, I, I want to keep saying that because if I don't say that, I'm going to make myself feel bad because I like to look back. I love looking at baby pictures. I, I, I love watching old videos. I, I love the, the memory thing on Facebook. Every morning, the first thing I do is get on Facebook and look at the, the memories that I had on there. What happened a year ago today? What happened two years ago today? Ten years ago today? And I sit there and I think, oh, you know, it's so easy. But then I get up and there's a day to live. There's things to do today. I can enjoy those memories, but i got to live today. And I've got to forget those things which are behind. And I've got to press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus today. Living for the past doesn't help me any in the future. But when I live for today, I'm, I'm making the future a little bit better for me and my family. Fools live in the past. And the wise lives in the present. So let me, let me summarize. You guys have probably already got them written down. But I want to give them to you again. Reputation is better than riches. A funeral is better than a birthday. Correction is better than compliments. The end is better than the beginning. Patience is better than pride. And today is better than yesterday. 
And then he ends it in verse 11. He says, wisdom's good. <laughs> I like that. He's just given us ten verses. And you look at it and you say, all these things are random and they're real and they're raw. But they're very helpful. And he says in verse 11, and I'll close. Wisdom is good. It's better than an inheritance. Wisdom is gooder, which is than an inheritance. It's better than money. What I'm giving you tonight from Solomon is better than winning the lottery. This is, let me give you another better. Wisdom is better. Point seven. Let's, let's match Joel Osteen here. Wisdom is better than money. If I had an announcement to put out on Facebook tonight, put it on our sign outside, free money tonight, right? This place would be full. Let's say how much you want to give me first. Free $100 bills tonight. That would get some people here, wouldn't it? I mean, just, 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 I don't need to say this, but I'm going to say it. Politicians, free $1,400, vote for me. I, I don't mean that in a bad way. Just, just stating the obvious. Like, yeah, I want that vote. Offer money in church. Nobody does that, but if you did, he'd be full. But he says, wisdom's better than money. So what have you put on your sign? Free wisdom tonight. How many people show up? Money, we talked about that last week. Money's good. Wisdom's better. Nothing wrong with money. But I'd rather know, how, wisdom helps you know how to spend that money. Money in the hand of a fool is gone. Money in the hand of a wise man is good. So he says, wisdom is good with an inheritance. And by it, there's profit to them that see the sun. For wisdom is a defense and money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to them that have it. I like that last phrase. Wisdom gives life to them that have it. Money's okay. But when you have wisdom, you can live life. I like that. Wisdom's good. You can know how to live. Know how to make decisions. And we're living in a foolish world. And if you have somebody who's wise, they'll stand out in a world full of fools. So this is good for us. There need to be more people studying Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Wisdom to live life. And the night he gave us better. I'm going to give you one more uh, just, just to close it out. I'm, this, is, uh, this isn't a point. Don't put it down as eight. I just went to seven. Wisdom is good. But salvation is better. Yeah. See, we all want to live a better life. You know, that's why Joel Osteen's book's a bestseller. We all want that better life here and now. But what happens when your life just falls to pieces? What happens when COVID hits? What happens when politicians start trying to take control of everything? What happens when there's rioting and, and there's looting and, and the world's just burning? What happens when, it, when being wise just doesn't seem to be working? When wisdom 
is nowhere to be found, we still have Jesus, which is the wisest thing you can ever have. I want to read one, one more passage to you, and I'm, I'm done. Romans, Romans chapter 8. Just, I was going to read half the chapter, but I'm not going to just for time's sake. I'm trying to slow down and be patient. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, you could throw anything in there. Shall, shall COVID or politics or rioting or looting, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for, we, for thy sake we are killed all the day long and we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am certain, I am persuaded, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, catch your breath, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ is better than even wisdom. You could just keep on doing this and going down the line and saying this is better than this and this is better than this. So I went, wisdom is better than money. But when you get to Jesus is better than wisdom, there's nothing in the world that you'll ever be, ever be able to put and say, this is better than Jesus. Yeah. Hebrews was written to tell us that Christ is greater than everything. Yes. And if you have him, you have everything you'll ever need. For in him dwells everything. There's nothing in the world better than Jesus. And that's probably the wisest advice that I could ever give anybody. There's nothing better than Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, passage full of wisdom tonight. And I, I think there's people here tonight that's lived life and they know these things. Maybe never seen them in a passage laid out like this. But they know these things and understand these things. So God, if they do, I, I pray that they would apply it and they teach it. And that there'd be people gathering around them saying, teach us these things. I pray that my kids would know these things, believe these things, live these things. This is the wise life. But most importantly, God, I think anybody can live a wise life. But the most important thing is that we know Christ. So we thank you that there's nothing in the world better than Jesus. And we have him. And nothing can separate us from him. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.